This episode is sponsored by Better Help. What is the first thing that you would do if you had an extra hour in your life? Oh, the first thing I just thought was, oh, I'm going to need more than an hour to fit that stuff in. But uh, the fact is a lot of us spend our lives wishing that we had more time. I know that is for me. That's a big thing, uh, especially you get older. <laughs> um, and the question, you know, time for what? What would you do? Would it actually make you feel better? What is it that you feel you're missing in order, you know, that that would make it better? Um, and and one of the ways to sort of help figure out that out is is therapy. It can help you find out what matters most to you so you can do more of it or focus on what it is that you're spending your time on that that maybe isn't giving you that that sort of fulfilling experience. Um, and it's interesting because a lot of times people talk about therapy or they talk about mental health or it's about uh, trauma or it is about, you know, like like a, a great amount of pain or anything. And those things are all very valid and everything. But also, you know, in some ways there's stumbling blocks. Uh, there is sort of a, a, something indefinable that you're having a hard time getting to that maybe is stopping you from feeling as confident as you can, as good as you can. And, you know, therapy uh, is, is one way to go after that. If you are thinking of starting therapy, you can give BetterHelp a try. It is entirely online, is designed to, be, designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. You fill out a brief questionnaire, you'll get matched with a licensed therapist. You may switch therapists at any time you like for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today to get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. You are listening to the iFanboy Pick Week Podcast, episode 325, brought to you by C2E2 and iFanboy members like you. I got up this morning. What are my shoes? Tie my shoes. iFanboy.com Pick League Podcast is episode 325. My name is Connor Kilpatrick. I'm here with Ron Richards. Hello. And Josh Flanagan. Hello. We are iFanboy.com. We like comics. We read comics. Every week we read a bunch of comics. One of us is charged with picking the best one they read, writing about the website. We'll be talking about the podcast along with other books of the week, topics of interest, emails, voicemails, all kinds of fun things that go on during the show. It's fun. It's a fun thing. It's not a sad thing. It's a fun thing. It's a po- it's a positive force in your life. It's a, it's a positive thing. Connor Connor categorizes everything in his life as either fun or sad. Fun or sad. This yes. dinner was sad. Before we get to the show, quick reminder and warning: we'll be talking about the books and what happened in them. There'll be spoilers, so if you've read your books, pause the show, come back, or utilize the show notes. That'll be a fun thing for you too. Not a sad thing. So, <laughs> be careful is what I'm saying. Josh, you had to pick. I did have have the pick. I just I also I also pictured that Werner Herzog. Does everything is fun or sad? The book was a sad thing for me. Timothy Treadwell was also sad. <clears throat> but Swamp Thing number seven was a happy thing. Uh, this was one of those weeks where I had a bunch of contenders uh, that I could have written the pick of the week about. Some more expected, some unexpected, and and I'm, I'm all, I I didn't I didn't think to go for Swamp Thing at first, and then uh, I looked at it and I thought about it and I was like, you know. He's never had a pick of the week on this book. We've written all sorts of stuff. No, yeah, this was his. Uh, this was his honorary Oscar. This was his departed Oscar. No, it, no, it wasn't that. Um, 
but I, I was thinking about it, and and I, I had I had also had nothing bad to say about this book. Basically, like I, I, there was no detractors. It was uh, it was well done all around, and and it's kind of interesting because in comparison to the Marco Rudy stuff from before, which is fine, it works fine for me. But but when you you get the 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 real deal Yannick Paquette stuff, you're like, okay, this guy's this guy's got it going on here. He knows he knows he's, he's Yannick Paquette is going somewhere that I personally have never seen him go before on yeah. this book, and, and this issue I think was the the furthest he's gone with it. And, and I and I think that that's important because it it fits. Yep. Um. And, and let, well, let's address this right away. I saw a lot of comments, and I have made this comment in the past that the the layouts are actually not as uh, user friendly as you might expect because they're they're pretty odd and, and they go all over the place. But I would then submit to you that it almost fits because when you're talking about the green and you're talking about the Parliament of Trees and all this stuff, like their reality isn't the same as ours. This is this is this may be complete BS, but it's a way that I can justify it for myself a little bit. Like it it just it changes and stretches time around in the way that a comic book page can. It, it moved things around a little bit. You know what you're doing. One of the things that I found really interesting about this issue, um, and 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 to, to be completely honest, right away I was really I was blown away by the art and the coloring specifically. Mm-hmm. I was looking, I was like, this is a really well produced book, and and I I like I noticed the coloring, which you're not supposed to do, but you are supposed to do. Like I was just like, the, like the palette is is magnificent throughout the whole thing, um, and and for whatever reason, this sort of off putting layouts. Which is also, you know, they're also very imaginative. It actually works for me because the whole thing takes place between like the spirits of some trees and a naked dude. There's nothing happening. The whole issue, and and there's been other issues in this run so far where I was like, okay, it was too much explaining. There was too much talking. But that, this didn't have that problem. Every, you know, I was I was I was down for every page in this, and I didn't feel like I was stuck in in a you know way to get through pages while explaining stuff. And and at the end, a thing happened, and and you know, Swamp Thing has wings now, and it's on. Um, <laughs> what I, what I really liked though is that. Uh, we spent all this time with 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 Alec Holland, and I like him. I, he's an interesting character. He's different than all of these other characters in the DCU. He's been around for a long time, but you know, for all intents and purposes, he's new for for most of the people reading this. And and, and he's done now. That version of him is gone, and I like that's a big change. That's a real thing. He's not going to switch back. There's not going to be a Swamp Thing and an Alec Holland. The Alec Holland, you know, he had to make the choice, and they they laid it out why he was doing that, and and and. Now he's he's made that choice and he's going to be done now. He's swamp thing now uh, because it was the thing that he had to do. And basically, I was I was I just enjoyed this all the way through, and I thought that it was a nice uh, cap to what has actually been a really long uh, sort of arc. I guess if you think about it in terms of all the all the other books that have come out of the relaunch, you know some of some of some of the stories as they get into five, six, seven issues for an arc are a little long in the tooth. Some of them changed gears drastically and did something else for a couple issues and came back talking about action comics but you know like this one story uh it's held my interest the entire time just as has its sort of companion book as i'll refer to it uh animal man uh it's not speeding through it it but i'm also not getting bored at the same time um and, and that makes it a that makes it a pretty good book it's it's you know not a two or three issue arc they're really taking their time and doing something that is different uh, than than what's happening in a lot of these superhero books. I know that Superman showed up in the f- first issue, was it, or first yeah. or second? Yep. You know, but for the most part, this is happening uh, elsewhere, and it's not being affected by all that. Not that I know what time any of the stuff in this world is happening. Um, but uh, I, I've just I've just enjoyed it as a as a way that it's definitely built on 
what Alan Moore did before it. And honestly, if you didn't, you would be that would be a waste. That would be foolish. Um, but at the same time, it's brought in something new with this sort of uh, organic version of the different colored rings with the rot and the red and the and the all that stuff. Um, and uh, I've 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 really enjoyed it. And I just think this was probably the strongest issue we've seen yet uh, since the first one. It was an artistic tour de, tour de force yeah. on the level of G.H. Williams. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yep. And I think that in this book, more than any, the page layouts being crazy and organic and plant-like work because that's the, that's the essence of the character. I mean, it, you don't get a better pairing of the just the pure construction of the page and character in that yeah. the, the handles flow like vines. And it, yeah, it's tough to follow. I had a couple of instances where I, I thought I was reading a two-page spread and I read across and I realized I wasn't, but... You know that's just that's that's the nature of the beast, and it wasn't the worst thing in the world. I just went back and read them in the proper order, and it was fine. But you see what I mean? It, like it, it kind of works. Like it, it didn't it didn't really state. matter because it was so impressive to begin with, and if it happens twice in the course of an issue, it's it's not the worst thing that hap- can happen to anything. Well, well, it wasn't it like ha- it was happened the, to me on another book, and I forgot what it was. Well, but it yeah, was, it, yeah, it wasn't like it was in the middle of an action scene in some yeah, other book no. where you have to know what's happening or or some sort of you know like courtroom debate or something. You can't have it happen there. But in this, it it I don't know. It, it works for me. You can't have that. Can't, um, can't have it. You know, I, what I like, what I liked is that the the like the artistic level that Peck had got to, and then the use of the, I mean, uh, they're sensibly panel borders, like the the vine like panel borders, and it also gave it, an, and the cover kind of speaks as well, gave it a '70s psychedelic kind of feel. Wavy um, gravy. Yeah, totally wavy gravy, and I loved and I loved the, the 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 flip between the scenes in the Parliament of the Trees in the green and what was going on in the red or the rod or whatever with that creepy baby head, uh, and um, that was the you know, creepiest and, thing I've seen in the comic maybe ever. Yeah, that was creepy, but um, but but how he continued to use that organic panel separation, but in this case these thick black. Mm-hmm. With red highlight kind of swaths of lines and stuff like that, it just so it, like it stayed consistent depending on where you were in the story. I was just it was really really impressive um, with uh, visually. So yeah. and, and and again like again like to add to that, I think the color really added a ton to this because yeah, you yeah Nathan knew, Farabond did a great job. Yeah, yeah. You, you like you really knew where you were based on how the how the coloring was working and and the greens stand out against everything else as 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 they should. Yeah, um, I think story-wise, you, I mean, it, it was an artistic tour de force. But story-wise, you've had a seven-issue, you know, hero's journey, and this is the point of the story where Alec does the heroic thing, which is to sacrifice his life to become Swamp Thing to save the day. And you basically had the "I'm coming and hell's coming with me" moment. You know, mm-hmm. that that was fantastic. You know, the, the monster's back, and now you're fucked. And yeah. and uh, it was very in, exciting in that sense too. So it was a, it was really not, you know, I think. The art was really what did it, but but story wise, it's still absolutely quite excellent. Um, yeah. And now I'm and this you know they've been teasing this as an all new Swamp Thing when you're not going when you're not going to be used to. And I'm wings. really curious because you don't really get to see him. You see him in little bits and pieces. But you don't get a full shot of him, and he's got wings. And and we've seen his he can, he can be fairly brutal. And we, in this in this issue, plus in Brightest Day when he killed all those mm-hmm. oil, oil oil executives. So I mean, we're we're really not sure what we're in for, and neither is the is the rot. So that's going to be fun next issue. Yeah. yeah, you know, it's just it, it was a it was a it was a pretty perfect issue, and it was impressive in lots of different ways. Um, so it was an easy five stars, and then and when I started thinking about, it, I was like, this is this is, this is the pick of the week. There it is, and and most of the most of the community agreed as we'll get to. I think it's awesome we're talking about a Swamp Thing book, isn't it? Sure. Yeah. And and like the thing is, it's not like there haven't been attempts, right. you know, since then. Although I don't know if there have been since we've been doing the show. We would have read it. They did a lot in the first half of the 2000s, that, several that didn't go, but uh, they weren't terribly memorable. By people you know also, so. 
Hmm. He's hard. <laughs> anyway, so uh, this week also marked the the launch of Jonathan Hickman's new uh, ongoing series and image, The Manhattan Projects, uh, with artist Nick Patara, who he worked on on The Red Wing, right? Yeah, yeah. He was the guy in the wedding. The red ring. Wow, the Red Wing. <laughs> Please, <laughs> before we begin, <laughs> Red Wing. Um, so th- this uh, focuses on the World War II era, um, uh, the Manhattan Project, which we all know was the the work of the government to build the atom bomb with uh, Dr. Oppenheimer and all that sort of stuff. This takes a spin on that and realizes that that was just one piece of a larger uh, uh, project going on in the, in the in the military deep that not many people know about mainly doing crazy ideas to protect the country and it's called the Manhattan Projects and um, focuses on the recruitment of uh, Robert Oppenheimer and um, I and this is a taking history uh, history historical fiction taking history and twisting it and making it you know not true but um i've by the end of this issue i loved it I you know what it, it wasn't even enough that it wasn't even enough that it was it could have been just a you know yeah. we do also other stuff here here's the crazy yeah. science stuff we're doing einstein's locked in the basement we're all doing we're all doing fun stuff but then the twist the other twist is that it's not really oppenheimer it's oppenheimer's evil twin who killed him yep. and has taken his place i mean so there's lots there's lots of things going on here and i was not expecting that yeah um he, he, it was it was really fun. It was, and he accomplished a lot in a. In a this was dense. Yeah, like in in a in a few number of pages. Uh, I yeah, I gotta say, I really, I often really like Hickman's um, creator owned stuff, especially at the beginning. He's done yep. more number one creator owned issues that were excellent uh, than most of the guys out there. Some of them, I feel like he he just he ran out of. He tried to end him too fast, and that would be my criticism of a bunch of them. But this has been my favorite one since uh, since Pax Romana, which has been my favorite yeah. one. So uh, you know, and th- and it's ongoing. Is it? Is that it? Yeah. Yeah. No. Th- yeah. This and well, then I the guess he won't have both- that. He won't have that problem. Exactly. Yeah. No. As opposed to, and and it's interesting because if you look at, you know, Hickman did those miniseries at Image. Those were calculated. It was like to get himself out there. Look what he can do. Uh, mixing the stuff, and it led to the Marvel work. But now that he's somewhat established, and I talked to him at Image Expo. This is ongoing. Secret is ongoing. And like with like, it's it's a monthly book. Here we go. Um, so it's gonna be interesting to see what he does in a non limited format. Um, longer term story, you know, but this talk about the potential of this, like you said, Connor, there's just so much going on of all these little di- different rooms where stuff is going on as they're walking through the project, um, the, the project headquarters. And then you get this Japanese attack of robot samurais. Well, that it, just- I, at that moment, I thought, <laughs> I thought, well, this is it now. This he's the American Grant Morrison. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or, you know, Grant Morrison, Warren Ellis, like that's what this feels like. Yep. And, and no one has been able to recapture that yep. in in as long as I've been reading comics. And I, that's that in itself is pretty impressive. But it really felt like that kind of book and, and that sort of really unique voice. And, and that's on top of what I think is probably stronger structure structure than Morrison does. Yeah. Um. But the, when I saw the, the, the samurai robot show up and then, and you know, Oppenheimer manned the gun. Yeah. <laughs> you know, coldless, coldly man. He does not like to be touched by a robot offensive. That, I mean, that was great. And again, talking about colors, um, how uh, the colorist on this is Chris Peter, who I've never heard of, but um, utilizing the blue and the red palette to identify those pages to explain the Oppenheimer, the the, the twin brothers, um, and then utilizing the the subtle shift of color, you know, at the on very the, end. On the close ups on the eyes, you can see yep. the red behind them. It's a yep. yeah. dead giveaway. 
Really, really good. Really good storytelling. And Patara, uh, a very kind of cartoony kind of approach, you know, like, in a, and it was funny because when I, when I interviewed Jonathan, Jonathan Hickman at Image Expo, he said he, he, he felt this was more suited for Patara than the Red Wing because Red Wing was more technical and ships and equipment while this is more character based and personal and, and relationships. I thought I didn't have a problem with him on the Red Wing and I thought this was interesting to see him do these kind of conversations and that's sort of the subtle kind of, you know, that, that Einstein grin. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you know, cool. and like little little subtle personality touches. So it's interesting to see Patara grow as an artist as well. So yeah, and I you know this was this was almost pick of the week. I I almost made this pick of the week. I gave this one five stars as well. Um, it was it was a pretty good start, but you know there's a lot to lot to go. We'll see what happens next. Yeah. But it was a hell of a first step. Yeah. So um, uh, um, Rachel Rising number six came out, and I don't know with the shipping whether everyone got it or not or whatnot. But it's been a while since we talked about it. Terry Moore's um, uh, thriller or horror or whatever chilling kind of book. Um, it, you know, it's been plugging along on that you know kind of consistent kind of basis, but it's starting to take a turn towards the chilling. I'm starting to get it. You know, like, and when you've got this uh, battered woman with a with a snake coming out of her mouth attacking somebody, that's kind of awesome. <laughs> um, it's interesting to see Terry Moore go in a in a in a less lighthearted direction, um, and you know, cur- you know, and not only that, but at the end of the issue, there's a car accident. One of my worst nightmares happens with a car crashing into a truck carrying a bunch of rebar. Oh. Rebar. Oh. oh, oh, god. <laughs> God, you're not wrong. Rebar is the most terrifying substance on Earth, it, it, like short of nuclear waste. It really is, actually. <laughs> yeah. it's, so, um, it, can, it flies quickly. It is slim. Yeah. It's very oh, John very Frankenheimer, dense. that guy from that? Possibly. I don't, I don't, well, I don't know. One of those big time 70s directors. Did you hear that? Did you, Ron, Ron doesn't want to know. I know the I tone of his voice was, let's just stop this conversation now because it's yeah. too real for me to deal with. <laughs> But uh, yeah, the, uh, Rachel, the, the main character, she gets a rebar right through her gut and she pulls oh. it. Out. Yeah, is yeah. that what we call it? A rebar? <laughs> I, th- I don't know if it needs an article. <laughs> a piece of rebar or rebar. Yeah, she gets it, rebar through her. Rebarred. We don't. We and we're not men of construction. We no. don't. We don't know the the words for this. Like you know, give me the drill piece. That's, that's a bit. Whatever. All I know is I see those rods of metal and the ridges and oh. the sh- oh, oh, and they sort of they waver just a little bit, you know, oh. they're just a little, just a little bit flexible because they're long. Yeah. Oh, whenever I see a truck transporting them, I get the hell out of the way. It's <laughs> <laughs> For so, this reason, this this plain reason. So at the very least, you're gonna have to get a tetanus shot. At the yes. very least. <laughs> So good on Terry Moore for tapping into one of my fears. <laughs> it's probably covered in like little metal filings from when it was cut. Oh, oh, stop, stop. That would be that infections, would be, infection. That would be a really good name for like a low budget torture porn. Little metal filings? Just, no, rebar. <laughs> rebar. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. That's great. I hate horror though. I'm not writing it. Yeah. Anyway, but uh, yeah, but so I'm enjoying it. I mean, generally, I don't really like horror stuff, but like that, this issue, I was like, all right, I'm getting pulled in. There's something spooky going on with where she was buried. There's uh, a tie to witch, you know, witches of back in the you know hundreds of years ago. Um, you, you got the rebar. <laughs> Who'd have thought there'd have been a rebar tangent? <laughs> that's that's the magic of this show right there. Oh, rebar. Um, way back when they announced uh, Men of War, I want to say Men at War, but it's not that. Uh, I thought, oh, this could be a book I could get into, and then it wasn't. 
So uh, this issue came out, and we had they had James Robinson on one of the stories uh, with Phil Winslade doing the whole thing, including coloring himself, uh, and then uh, J T. Cruel and Scott Collins on the second story. And this was much more what I had in mind um, when when they first uh, announced the book. And at first glance, it feels like it's kind of simple and kind of slight. But then the more I thought about it, the more I liked that because that felt like an old war comic. And that's what this felt like. This felt like like a classic war comic. And once again, I think we've seen when you try to shoehorn James Robinson in with, with the superhero books that everybody else is doing, it doesn't feel right. It's not his thing. But when you let him do something like this, uh, which is just a, a story of one soldier going out to kill the bad guy, you know, it's a little bit it's a little bit retro and simplistic, but it's also really satisfying and it worked really well. Um, at the same time, I thought that that um, the Winslade art that he'd done himself was kind of raw and cool and, and fun. Um, you know, it wasn't it was I don't think it was even like anatomically perfect, but like there was all sorts of action and there was a big fight and, and I had a ton of fun with it. I would even I even found myself coming to enjoy the, the second the second half written by J.T. Cruel. Uh, I think some of the dialogue definitely needed a rework, but. By the end, I was I was sort of down with it, and I, I enjoyed it. It was I mean, it was not a story. It was a story about a soldier coming home and having a hard time, which we've heard a billion times. But uh, really, by the end of it, it was it was something a little it was something a little bit good, and I really liked this issue a lot, which I haven't been able to say about any of the men at wars so men of wars so far. Um, who, who knew? I not it, I, someone. <laughs> Some, somebody knew. So, um, so th- this week also wrapped up uh, Avengers: Children's Crusade with issue number nine, w- the book that started, God, back in twenty ten. <laughs> it had to have been, yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, uh, and this also is one of three, four things you absolutely must read before Avengers vs X Men. Uh, <laughs> um, so whether or not you need to or not, take that with a grain of salt. Personally, I don't think you need to read. I mean, I haven't read Avengers. Ron, there was a very order. important. Word balloon in here that said, "Yeah, we're fine with the X Men for now. Yeah, right. was, <laughs> for the moment. That was yeah. the word. So, um, but uh, this this ended on a. You know the sound when you uh, deflate a balloon. <laughs> that's that's if I could if I could review this book. That's what I, the review well, would be. This is one of my favorite minis. So yeah, you know exactly. I, think I picked it twice over the course of this run, but this was very much uh, epilogue because it was mostly just people standing around talking. Oh, this, this, which, this, no, the, the last half of the series has been a complete and total clusterfuck. It's been a complete and total. They, they've been in front of Avengers Mansion for like four issues, arguing and talking and all this sort of stuff. And yes, you had the reveal with Doom and all this sort of stuff, but like it is just it, to me this completely like it it deflated it, it the balloon noise because it didn't deliver on anything. Um, and furthermore, this issue, as much as I hate to say it, as much as I love Jimmy Chung, this is not Jimmy Chung's best work. I mean, like even opening up to the first page and that panel with um, uh, Scott Lang holding Cassie. Mm-hmm. Look at the Wolverine behind him. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's it, like there's a lot of little rushed panels here and there. And I, and as a Chung fan, I notice like they stick out because he's so good on on the good panels. And it's just uh, it just I don't know. This whole thing left a bad bad taste in my mouth, like a really bad taste in my mouth. Heinberg. No. I know, right? Sorry. Yeah. I don't. I'm, I'm sorry. So they dissolved the Young Avengers with this miniseries. Is that what happened? Well, I, I don't. I, I don't. No, I don't know because, because they all they break up, and the ones that are left are just. They said, "Now you're Avengers." 
So, yeah, I guess so. Maybe. Who knows? I mean, who? I wouldn't be surprised if they trump it out again. But um, with new characters. Well, yeah, and, and maybe they've got the four that they they can still base it off of. But like, what you know? But I don't know. It just it's all. It's just all. And my other observation was, man, what what would a Marvel artist do without the High Line? Recently, have you know, noticed they, that? They said, yeah, there's a lot of scenes in the High Line. Every comic has a talking scene on the High Line. <laughs> just, well, there's a lot of uh, photo reference available for it. Yeah, no. <laughs> I don't know. That's just this. I, I had really, really high hopes for this, and it really kind of it didn't really deliver for me, and so I'm annoyed. I'm sorry, oh, and I'm upset. Do you want to talk about it, or I, I, maybe I kinda, just? Do I kind of just maybe just do the sponsor read. Yeah, maybe I could do that. Um, what might get me excited and happy again would be <laughs> would be C two E two, which is the biggest pop culture event in Chicago of the year. It's uh, April thirteenth to the fifteenth at the McCormick Place. Um, and if you are a comic uh, comic fan or a pop culture fan, you definitely are near the Chicago Land area. I've been to Chicago. I know they call it the Chicago Land area. It's just everything. Uh, <laughs> uh, you definitely need to show up and check this out. Uh, they're going to have tons of guests um, like Axel Alonso, Joe Casada, Dan Slott, Jason Aaron, Scott Snyder, Rick Remender, Neil Adams, Tim Sale, Amanda Connor, Ryan Stegman, Sean Murphy, and many, many more. They're all listed over on the C2E2 website at C2E2.com. Um, if you're into pop culture and things like that, they're going to have uh, C3PO himself, Anthony Daniels, will be there, and he'll be very oh. polite. Uh, Nicholas uh, Brendan from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Xander from Buffy will be there. Um, the, 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 dad, the dad from Teen Wolf. Not James him. <laughs> Say it. And Mr. McFeely Speed from Mr. Delivery. Rogers. <laughs> I, like, how did that get booked? It's just like, listen, I got, we got a line of McFeely. Let's get him in. <laughs> That's what it was. Oh, God. Somebody's like, I got, I got, I got McFeely. Do it. <laughs> Do it. Call him in. Make it happen. Um, they've recently announced um, they've got expanded free shuttle services to help you get to to and from the con because if you've ever been to Chicago, you know, Macquarie Place is not near anything. <laughs> so it's those, in Chicagoland. So those shuttle uh, shuttle services might be good. And if you've got a, a iPhone or an Android phone or an iPad or a tablet or some sort of thing, check out C2E2 Mobile, which is a bunch of mobile apps that has maps of the con floor and programming listings and all the stuff you need to stay connected to the con. Um, kids are kids 12 and under are free on Sunday. So if you've got families and you want to bring your kids, uh, do it on Sunday. Um, go to C2E2.com where you can buy tickets in advance. You can get the tickets for the weekend for $50. Um, and they also have day rates and things like that. But they've also got uh, VIP packages with a ton of perks and early access to the floor or con floor and things like that. So uh, if you're in Chicago and you haven't bought your tickets yet, do so now. It's all at C2E2.com. Cool. Uh, let's hear uh, Ron talk more. Well, no, just I, I feel like we need a segment. We need like a, a bumper or something like that for a Michael Lark alert. Oh, why did uh, they never tell me? Defend it's in the num- solicitations, man. I, read, I, read the I, comics page. It's, it's, Def- a, it's Defend- a fraction number book. Four. Defenders number four featured art by Michael Lark and was mainly focused on Doctor Strange and his lovemaking. Oh. <laughs> but it also kind of continued the um the 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 weird metal device thing that they found and that Doctor Strange is trying to figure it out. And um I don't know, but the Lark Lark art was was lovely to read. So uh, that that is appropriate considering the old Michael Lark character we used to have on the show. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. right. The thing about him is that he does not do any books anymore. <laughs> and I would like him to do just find a book and stick on that book. <laughs> he just does, he does these little in like he just does these quick one night stands. Almost. Yeah, that's the thing, and I understand because you do not want to be tied down or whatnot. But <laughs> but the thing is, I am not going to look at a defender book because it's written by the man Matt Fraction. I do not like his book usually. 
So yeah. I'm just gonna gloss over. No, did Michael? Did, I need someone to tell me, but I wouldn't have bought it anyway. It was good art, though. It was good. Yeah. He's Action good at art. He Action is good Comics. at art. <laughs> Action Comics number seven. Yeah. Was uh, the, the the frustrating thing about this book is that there's glimpses of greatness, and this is one of those issues. Yes. Yes. Where it felt very much like the first issue. Yep. And if it only if this whole series had been this way, we'd still be talking about this as, as the best book of the relaunch. Yeah, but instead, it's a it's, it's a book of all about mischances. But this is great. The rags art was solid. You had a lot of you know the old Superman, old school Superman kind of. He's depowered. He's got a. It take, it's hard to get into space. He's that was awesome. The opening sequence where he he's got to get into space, and so they give him an oxygen tank because I guess he doesn't know that he can breathe in space. And or he, he can breathe in space. Or yeah, maybe he can. Who knows? And he run he runs gets, goes really fast and then goes off a, a a tow truck ramp and jumps and then proceeds to jump off of satellites. To continue mo- forward momentum like that, uh, like that opening sequence, I was like, "Yes, this is what I want." And we have a reason for him having a costume because you know all this physical exertion is hell on his sho- his shoes and his jeans and his t shirt. Um, so I mean, it all sort of fit into place in what you wanted and what the promise of that first issue was. And unfortunately, it hasn't been that way. But this this was a fantastic issue. If you enjoyed that first issue and you were looking for more of that, that kind of thing, yeah. this was. And and not only not only did the the need for the costume get explained, but also the connection to Krypton and you know like explained where the costume came from. I mean, like this this like like you said, if this series from the Gecko had been stories like this or continued that momentum of when it initially started, I, I would have been totally on board loving it. If, as of last issue, I was ready to drop it. But after this issue, I, I was like, yes. And I even saw that this issue was like that. And I thought, you know what? They're just going to do it again. Yeah. And it's going to, I don't know. It's just going to sting. Yeah. But speaking of stinging, um, Justice League International number seven. Mm-hmm. What was one of the best things to come out of the great Justice League International revival that we experienced last year? Connor. Uh, Booster Gold. No, not Booster Gold. The um, the Russian dude. Oh, the Russian dude. Yeah, yeah. Yep, dead. Red. Yeah, killed him. Uh, yeah. Well, the last issue. The last issue ended with a big explosion. They were having a speech at the UN, and somebody blew it up, and and you wondered who would live and who would die, and they only killed one person. Yeah, but they killed yeah. the one person that I liked. Yeah, yeah I know. Like they they could they couldn't they didn't kill August General Iron of China, who I can't well, stand. He's, he's, <laughs> he's covered in iron. That was yeah, cool. I know. an international incident. Yeah. Um, they didn't, you know, they didn't kill, you know, like, the, I mean, I understand he's the one who's like kind of expendable because they didn't have the direct connections, but he was the comedy relief. That's true. He was, uh, he was a fun character. He's a good character. I don't know. This is, this book is sometimes fun, sometimes not fun. Yeah. They're adding, it looks like they're, they're getting rid of Batman, replacing with Batwing, which makes sense for the international portion of the team. But, uh, yeah. th- I, this issue, this series is on a case by case basis with me. Yeah, no, I'm I'm in the same place. Yeah, it's just it's 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 little flashes of what I liked originally about it when I got into it, but it but it hasn't been nearly as consistent as I don't want it to be, you know. So anyway, um, so hell yeah, number one from Image Comics uh, came out. Uh, Joe Keating and Andre. I'm not going to pronounce that last name. Samanowitz. Uh, Samanowitz. I don't know. Um, uh, so my my kind of take on hell yeah, and I, I don't know if you guys read it or not, but um. It's basically I like the first issue intrigued me. I liked where it's going. Um, I think the art was a little rough in a few places. Coloring, color the coloring. I, I think, think was the, the art the and the color was rough challenge. the whole time. I think. Yeah. I think well, no, was there was a couple. There were a couple of pages that were good. That's the thing that were like there were a couple of pages where I was like, oh well, if it was like that, if the whole book was like that, then it'd be then this would be better. You know, um, like I liked the the flashback. I thought was was well done. Um, the black and white with the hints of red and that sort of thing. And there was a couple of pages towards the end with the um, uh, when they're at the nightclub and then walking in the street that looked better. 
But um, yeah, but ultimately the the art and the coloring needs to step up a little bit. But I'm intrigued, and I'm gonna I'm gonna check out the next issue. You know, I like the I like I like the concept. And if you listen to iFanboy Don't Miss last week when uh, we talked to Joe Keating about it, and he kind of revealed some of the directions it may go, and it sounds intriguing. So, yeah, I think I think the the, the production really hurt the book. It, it, it yeah. didn't seem as high quality as you expect from an image image comic. Yeah, yeah, it was a challenge. Uh, Venom. I I held the book and I was like, "Do I want to do this?" And 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 I I saw Remender and Tony Moore. So I'll tell you this right now: if you tell me that I want to do this, I'm gonna get the book. But I didn't get it. So tell me, do I want? Oh, you that? didn't get it? Yeah, no, you no. want? Okay. Yeah, you want it? I just here's here's what it feels like. This book was real good. This book wasn't selling, so we have to do something else with this book. And I don't want to do something else. I want to do what we were doing. And I understand that not everybody was into that, and I'm fine with it. But that's, you know, I mean, that is what happened, right? I mean, I, well, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't I mean, know. You don't know, but, but that, I mean, it's different now, obviously, because it's Ghost Rider, Girl Wolverine, and. Well, it's, just, it's, that's the last, it's just the last story of, the, of that event. Mm-hmm. It's back to just Venom now after the next issue. So, I mean, yeah, it's not. But um, this, I mean, this, 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 whole fe- this whole five week. Venom event turned out to be really, really satisfying. Like it turned out to be really kind of crazy and kind of you know like you know hell takes over Vegas and and this uh, unlikely group gets together and the and the spirit of vengeance and the symbote go onto the Red Hulk in this issue. You can't steamroll past that one. No. But, Say the word symbiote. I can't for say it. Symbiote. Symbiote. Symbiote sounds like some mid eighties. That's like Kumite. That's where yeah. that's where Frank Dukes went to fight and his symbiote. underground martial arts tournament. Well, you're putting an accent on the e at the end. Symbiote. Everyone knows the secret is symbiote. Oh, very good. Symbiote. A man find his sword, climb a mountain of a symbiote. So the symbiote and the, spirit, the the spirit of vengeance merged with the Red Hulk and making a a badass Hulk Venom Ghost Rider, which was awesome. And then towards the end, you get Tony Moore drawing the Avengers. You get, I've never seen Tony Moore draw Captain America. Can I just uh, have a room with a legless man who's sad about his dad drinking? <laughs> That's what I wanted from this. Yeah, this was really good. It was good. So you I, I would say go back and pick it up. I know exactly. My my tastes are clearly not the symbiote of the masses or the symbiote of the masses. Symbiote. 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 I'm finally going to get that Criterion Collection DVD of Akira Kurosawa's Symbiote. <laughs> which, so which is Japanese for rebar. Those are almost all the books we wanted to talk about. There's be one more we'll talk about later in the show. But uh, you can go to fmy.com slash comics. You can make your pull list. You can rate and review your books. And you can make your own pick of the week. And we like to run down the top five user picks of the week for the uh, for this week. And number five was Rachel Rising, number six, with 1.2%. Number four was Ultimate Comics Spider-Man, with number eight, with 1.2%. So they were tied. Uh, number three was Action Comics, number seven, with 4.4%. Number two was The Manhattan Projects, number one, 34.9%. And number one... The powerhouse Swamp Thing number seven with fifty one point seven percent. All right, Akamu uh, reviewed uh, Ferris number one, which is the new uh, spin off series uh, from the Fables universe. Who are you excited? I didn't buy it. Uh-huh. I, I'm holding it right here. No, uh, I haven't read it. 
Uh, he says, the only thing that really, that really worked for me in this book was the art, which is superb. From Adam Hughes' cover through every page of Jimenez's pencils, Lanning's inks, and Dalhouse's colors, this is a gorgeous book. Each artist's work complements the other, even though the iFanboy.com ad is beautiful. I didn't see that. I didn't mean to put that in. Uh, I'm going to give the title two more issues, and that's 20%, but that's 20% of my faith that Willingham will make this into an engaging story and 80% respect for the visual artist. He gave the story a 2 out of 5 and the art a 5 out of 5, and the pick of the week percentage was uh, two-tenths of a percentage point. Uh, I just I, I stopped reading fables and I was like I don't, I don't really want to read. Yeah, they're doing this whole big vertigo. They're, they're doing this whole. Bi- apparently, this is this is the vertigo segment of the user reviews, by the way, too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're doing this whole vertigo relaunch thing, and and it looks like ferret. They're trying to put Ferris out in the lead, like as the the next great fables kind of thing, and just keep going to that well. Just keep going to that well. Yeah, well, you know, Jack of Fables was really good, and I liked that they ended it and then just let it go forever. But people uh, love that Cinderella book. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, yeah. that's that's Chris Roberson, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's a good. I will tell you, the Ferris is a good-looking book. You know, you can't you can't argue with Phil Jimenez, who I don't feel like I've seen all that much, and Andy Lanning, who, in addition to co-writing excellent books, is is one yeah, he's an a, anchor. He's um, a fine anchor. Yeah. Jimenez does uh, film work, which yeah. is why he disappears yeah. from comics every now and then. Um, they go back to this well because it's a deep well full of money. Yeah. <laughs> Can I mean, you say that again, but in the voice of Ron Swanson? <laughs> <laughs> go to the well. <laughs> so yeah, well, I don't blame him. So maybe Fable Fan likes it. Who knows? All right, our next review comes from our next Vertigo review comes from Kingdom of Evan, who reviewed Sweet Tooth number thirty-one and gave the story a four out of five and the art a four out of five, and nobody made it their pick of the week. And Kingdom of Evan got pretty creative with his review, which is a haiku. And he's and the review is: While Jeopard's tied up, Gus steps up to save the day. It's about time, yo. <laughs> yeah. That's so, that's you know he he got the, he got there because of that. Let's, let's be yeah, honest. Yeah, no, I, I like the creativity of that. That was good. I. The, the, does I we haven't moved a lot. We don't hear talk on this book as much as we did in the beginning. Not no. much happens with it. Yeah. It's been very similar the whole way through, and 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 like we've been stuck at this dam that was kind of interesting, and there was a big twist on the person who's there. And there's good stuff that happens in this. I really, it's a really decompressed book. I mean, he's yes. not rushing through it, which is kind of good. Uh, I'm sure it reads fine later, which is which is what you know. If you think back to the earliest stuff that that Lemire did that we all really liked, but on issue by issue basis, it starts to get a little um, long in the tooth. And I, I'm not going to stop reading it. I, I bought every issues, and I'm going to. It's ending relatively soon, right? Or am I wrong about that? I feel I feel like it's on the way to ending, maybe in the forties, maybe. But I still think there's a way to go. I think he's starting to wrap it up, but I don't yeah. I don't I don't know for sure. Um, yeah, no, I, I'm buying it. I will continue to buy it because I just love Lemire's artwork, and I'll look at it. But it, but like I I can't remember the last. Like if someone said, "What's going on, Sweet Tooth?" I can't really be like. Oh, you know, yeah. like it just feels very stalled and like it, it didn't it didn't have the emotional punch that some of the issues in the early 20s had, you know, um, I just I feel like every time I get to the end of it, I was like, oh, that's the end. Like it, it sneaks yeah. up on me really fast, which isn't necessarily a bad thing, but it it always leaves you feeling a little short, I guess. Yeah. I got um, I got to drink this coffee hot. He seals. No, I'm done with him. I can't. Uh, right. Yeah, I know. I know. It's hard. I know. It is hard. Too, me too. But yeah. <laughs> okay, oh, so go to fanboy.com slash comics, rate, review your books, write a review, make it good, and we'll get it on the show. If it's not a review about a book we talk about, so keep that in mind. If yeah. you all write Avengers reviews, you probably won't get on the show because we're going to talk about it. So let's do a couple of emails. The first one's from Benjamin. Benjamin writes and says, everyone knows which superheroes are most permeated in the pop culture, Batman, Superman, Spider-Man. But why these particular heroes and not others? I think a big contributing factor is that most people know who those heroes are underneath their, uh, their cowls. 
Batman is Bruce Wayne, Superman is Clark Kent, Spider-Man is Peter Parker. With other heroes, the lines are more blurred. Who is Green Lantern? Who is The Flash? When there are multiple characters donning the same costume and hero identity, it dilutes the individuality of the character. It makes them less special and less unique. Not to mention that it plays into the popular perception that superhero comics are needlessly esoteric. What do you guys think? I think you're wrong. I'm inclined to agree with you, but not as vehemently. Well, no, the, the point being, the people that... The, we agree with who, Benjamin or Josh? Josh. The, okay. the reason that people know those characters' secret identities is because they know the characters. That's It's not the other way around. Right. Um, why are those characters so popular? That's an interesting question to me. Um, Superman is the, the er superhero, so he's the sort of first one who really caught on in the public consciousness, and we've, we've never let go of it because it's so... Simple. Pure. It's a primal, and, yeah. pure thing. It's 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 what all superheroes are based off. There are and some very Batman is the other side of that coin. Yeah. Um, yep. And the it's the it's the dark to the light of that. Uh, and it's it's such a simple. It's a it's a man. He has no special powers. Just his own motivation, uh, basically, and 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 a, a goal. And it's uh, it's a striking visual image too. I think that has a lot to do with it. And then you move forward to the '60s, and Spider-Man really represents the idea that hey, what let's take these superheroes and, and make something more complex and interesting out of them. Well, I think I think I think Spider-Man is the is, the reason why Spider the the phenomenon of Spider-Man is that Spider-Man took you know kind of elements of what was going on Superman and Batman and the other heroes before and then made it relatable. Mm-hmm. It was it was the kid that was in your math class yeah. or it was that dude that you know who you know who, you know who was always trying to make rent and that sort of thing and it became you know it it it's the it's the absolute shining example of the Stanley Mar or Steve Ditko Marvel kind of real world um, relatable, actual, you know, could exist in New York City approach. Um, much more so than Fantastic but in, Four. But in that or, case, he's much more tied into the secret identity. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I think it plays into, I think Spider-Man plays into him more. I don't think the reason is as cut and dry as Benjamin says, but I think, I think Peter Parker is as much the reason Spider-Man is popular as Spider-Man. I think Batman and Superman is less about their identities. It's not the, well, because no, people know who think, they are, think, though. That's what he's. No, but I, I disagree. I think the I think the I, about the Batman. I don't Batman. I don't know. Give or take. But the the Clark Lois thing, I think, is a is a big part of the the Superman mythos. Is the is the secret identity being you know the love triangle amongst you know essentially two people. Um, Lois being in love with Superman, Clark being in love with Lois, and and no one being in love with Clark. Um, the idea. I mean, really, why they're more popular because they're they're better characters. They're yeah. the yeah. best ones that they've come up with. Yeah. And and the Green Lantern is f- weird. What the fuck is a lantern? What does a lantern really have to do? Like it doesn't. It's not clear. It's not straightforward. It's interesting from a a, a sort of you know, like if you look at sort of the supporting characters, it, he, he can be completely interesting, but it's not yeah. going to hit a, a major social consciousness. And then when the movie's a piece of shit, that doesn't help. Right. Yeah. And, and and they do have a they do have a problem with the who is Green Lantern because they're you know it's that it's that multiple and also probably with the Flash too as to you know because there are multiple people holding that mantle in the comics um, it's hard to translate that and especially when you know a Green Lantern when you for years you've had John Stewart in the cartoon and that's you know kids know that and then they bring back Hal Jordan at least in terms of the public consciousness goes not not what we know um, as comic fans. Is there um, the thing that this got me thinking about is is there anybody else who's at that level who's come out in that time that can that can compare with those? And yeah, I had a hard time thinking of something else. Captain America maybe the next closest or actually maybe God, Iron Man took everybody by surprise, but I wonder if that really had more to do well, with Well, I would Robert I would Downey say Jr. Yeah, no, I would say Iron Man now because of the movies, but before the movies I don't think anybody knew that Iron oh, Man no. was Tony Stark and right. that sort of thing. But that um, changed I, it. 
Yeah, I think Captain America is as big as the, but in but not because of Steve Rogers, because of Captain America. More the imagery of it. People don't know yeah. who Steve Rogers is or that story. They do now. I guess. Yeah, the movies had a lot to do with it, but I think you can see that these these characters were the characters even before those movies. Um, yeah, you know, Batman has has been in movies all along. So is Superman. Actually, Spider Man too, to a slightly lesser extent, you know. But the, you know, there are you can. Oh you man, can, do you remember those seventy Spider Man? Yeah. With the, oh yes. God. Yeah, I really wanted to like those, but that was rough. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But you know, but if you look, every decade has has its version of the of the Batman or Superman, you know, movie or serial or TV show or something like every single one, um, and, and they just work throughout different de- you know different eras and changing. Uh, they're just yeah. really good flexible interesting that, characters i think i think thor to a certain degree but not because of the comic just because of the mythology yeah because but I because well, back i go back they know no, but i go back mythology. to i go back to adventures and babysitting yeah yeah no yeah i mean like what that that was you know like the fact that the kid was into thor and that was like that's not a marvel character though it's a, right that's what i mean because of the character they know itself that, like they know you know who yeah. zeus is or who right that's what i mean but it, it helps the, the comic character also, Thor doesn't really have a special secret identity that people know Cigarl about. Cigar Jorlson. Yeah. yeah. Donald Blake. Simbote. He wasn't even in the movie. He didn't even have a secret identity in the movie. He didn't. I know, I know. He didn't. Uh, so it's interesting. It's interesting question, though. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's. But I don't. I don't think it's why. I just think that the characters are 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 they they tap into something. Mm-hmm. Why? Yeah. Why did? Why is anything successful? Why? You know, like it's hard. That, that's what everyone's trying to recreate. Is that they're the model of what the success has been? You know, and and that's the thing. Like you know, Superman, Batman. You know, the the Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman. I Wonder Woman, maybe. They don't, well, they don't know she's no. Diana Prince. But, yeah, but they know her. But again, you know, TV show in the seventies, like that. That goes a long think, way. I think Wonder Woman is the Captain America analog. It's the imagery yeah, and that yeah. thing. But um, she is. But you, you've got those characters, and then you go over at Marvel, and and it really Spider Man really triggered it. And yeah, Fantastic Four was first, but like it's nowhere near the zeitgeist of Spider Man. And even you know X Men and all stuff like that. They've had their you know moments of popularity, and Iron Man's going through it now. But Spider Man, he's on the checks. I mean, like he's the one that everyone knows. And I don't I mean, know. Like, wh- it was almost Wolverine, but Wolverine's more mm-hmm. like a pop culture totem. Than, yeah. than these things, which are sort of that sort of stick around for a really long time. Yeah, that entombed. Also, Wolverine's not about Logan. I mean, no one. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not as yeah. tied in. No, I, I agree. Right. In the yeah. in the public view, I agree. Yeah, I agree. It's like a, it's like a Care Bear with claws. It's just a symbol. <laughs> nice. Seriously, yeah, it's I mean, true. It's not yeah. that much different. Um, <clears throat> All right, on to our next email. Uh, email from Joshua writes in says, "So I've got this friend." Sure. Uh-oh. <laughs> I've got this friend who really enjoys comic book movies, but really hasn't read very many actual comics. Currently, he's really excited about the Avengers and has come to me asking what some what were some Avengers comics he should read. For a few seconds, I considered telling him to check out some of the stuff that Bendis has been doing over the last few years, but instead decided to have him read Avengers Forever instead, due to how that book kind of boiled down to the essence of the Avengers and 12 really great issues. So my question for you is, for certain characters, what would you consider their definitive book? A book that takes the character or group of characters and showcases everything that makes them great in a pretty bite-sized format, such as stories like All-Star Superman or Batman Year One. What would you consider the definitive book for characters like The Flash, The X-Men, Green Lantern, or others? Also, are there any characters that you don't really think have a definitive story yet, despite being around for quite a while? Another good question, and also where he answers it in the question. <laughs> <laughs> Why'd you take All-Star Superman away from me? <laughs> We're done. We're done. <laughs> well, the Flash the Flash doesn't have that, that story. Uh, yeah. Green Lantern doesn't have that story. Well, no. I don't think, I don't think Green Lantern doesn't have that. You don't, that, that tr- you don't think the, the Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams stuff? No. No, it's, no. it's no. not. That was more about an era than a character. And, it, um, and, and even like, you know, Rebirth was designed to be that, but it ain't that. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, you can get a Green Lantern you know, story. My my favorite Green Lantern story, my the one that Secret Origin for, for both of those characters is still New Frontier. Yeah. You know, that's the it, 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 it. If only just in terms of Hal Jordan, but I think that they handle the Flash really well in that story too. And it's like, what is that guy? It's that. That's going to give you an overview of what the DC universe should be about. Um, but it's hard. I mean, there was Green Lantern Secret Origin that that was okay. Or, um, but I guess Sinestro Core War was just good. It wasn't definitive, though. Um, yeah, I mean, it doesn't really. It, it kind of it is, gives it's you how not, Jordan. It's not as like All Star Superman. It's not like no. yeah. the Dark Knight yeah. Returns. You can hand someone a book and say, "This is this is Green Lantern." Or Batman. He, yeah. he mentions Batman Year One, which is yeah. you know, straight. It's not that it's an origin story. That's not it. And Superman All Star Superman is not an origin story. It's a story. You it's know? definitive. Yeah. It's right. I I gotta say, I wouldn't I wouldn't have said Avengers Forever. That shit was. Yeah, no, I think Avengers Forever is too heavy to be it's honest. Ponderous, and yeah, and, and I don't even mean that in a bad way. It's, I mean, it's some hardcore. I don't even know what the. De- I guess, I guess the the. Oh, geez, I guess the Kree Scroll War is definitive Avengers. I mean, you could you could read the first couple trades of of Bendis's new Avengers or something like that. Yeah, uh, yeah. That, that would be fun. That would that would get you what you wanted. Uh, that Avengers is hard too, but it's because it's been ongoing for such a long time. They, they haven't yeah. really rebooted it that many times. You know, I would have said I don't know how he, how well it's aged, but when the when Busick took over Avengers, I, I think that started with number one in the yeah. in the late nineties. That was yeah. mm-hmm. that would be a good place yeah. to go, uh, I think. Um, so Ron, Ron, what's the definitive X Men story? I mean, it's it's Dark Phoenix. Dark Phoenix. I mean, yeah, that yeah. that's absolutely Dark Phoenix. Um, yeah, as much as I love the Paul Smith stuff, uh, which is a close, close second, as much as I love the, uh, you know, the the Jim Lee stuff, I mean, it's Dark Phoenix. What's funny is but that a definitive story has to be you got to hand him in one book and say this is the X Men. You know what? I, when yeah. I was when I was twelve, Dark Phoenix is the first X Men story I ever read, and I've never read anything that that even came close. No, yeah, yeah. It's it it, it sets up because what you got with the Dark Phoenix is that it sets up the the concept of mutants. It sets up the recruitment with Kitty and with Dazzler and all that sort of with the stuff early on, and then it uh, brings in uh, a, a threat. It brings in a villain, and then there's sacrifice with with you know with, with Jean ultimately sacrificing herself. Yes, there's stuff that came before that you that you could you benefited by uh, knowing. Like it starts with them just finishing the Proteus thing, and they're in Scotland, and there's Madrox. So like who the fuck are these people? But You're it doesn't matter no. you don't need it you don't need it at all yeah. also it sets up wolverine it's yes it does anything yeah. and, and he and yeah. in a supporting role not a lead role but his whole character's there everything yeah. you know, comes from there yep. so uh, if you wanted wolverine it would be the the miller claremont series yeah pro- yeah probably so um who else is he asking for flash Grindley. yeah i guess that's it yeah um try to think other characters that have definitive character stories um that's a tough one I need to go look. I need to go look through my library. It's hard. I mean, like it's it, we do these where do I start series, and, and we just yeah we just did Hawkeye. You know, like Hawkeye's not a, a like a lot of characters. There's only a few of them who can be sort of definitive, real sort of strong main supporting characters. Hawkeye's not. Somebody else pointed yeah. up Black Widow's not. Like when you put Black yeah. Widow on her own, it falls flat. But um, also, you need you need the confluence of creator and character and story, and it's hard to make a definitive story. What's you, I don't, I, yeah, Daredevil. Oh, it's Miller. It's is it Miller or is it? Um, yeah, it's absolutely Frank Miller. Yeah, it's 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 yeah. uh, the Electra, what's the Mazzucchelli Maz- stuff? Uh, yeah, the, so the, 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 the Born Again. Yeah, yeah Born Again. Yeah, 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 yeah Born Again's yeah. definitely. Yeah, 
But that's again that they weren't setting out to make the definitive story. It just so happened that way. Right. I mean, yeah. Well, no. Yeah. But that's the thing is I don't think anybody sets out to do the definitive story. I think it just it, it a story emerges and it becomes definitive. I mean, like Batman Year One. I don't think Miller and Mazzatelli were doing the definitive Batman. They were just telling Batman Year One. Walt Simonson. I don't, I don't, I don't think that's the definitive Batman story. By the way. What do you think one? is the definitive Batman story? Dark Knight. Dark, Dark Knight for sure. Year One's more about Gordon and Batman. I mean, you can't really have a definitive story about a character and have the story be mostly about somebody else. That's fair. I won't argue. It's not my character. I won't argue. Yeah. No. Okay, cool. So good question. Uh, if you have any other good questions like that, shoot us an email at contact.ifanboy.com. On to the voicemail, and our first voicemail is uh, talking about a book that came out this week. Hey, guys. This is Logan from South Carolina, and uh, I just read Green Arrow number seven. And I am seriously just about to cry or something because this was, if not just as horrible, if not more horrible than the previous arc. Um, Oliver Queen looks like he's a 12-year-old boy in an adult's body. Uh, The writing was just horrible. Um, The artistry was just somewhere off in left field. Basically, what I'm, I guess what my question is, is is this worth keeping on? I'm, I'm a big Green Arrow fan. I didn't want to stop reading it. Um, I don't know if it's going to get any better. If you guys could help me out. I need any decision here. Keep it or, or drop it. I don't know what to do anymore. Thank you, guys. Bye. Logan, put the book down. <laughs> it's time to walk away. Put the book down. I'm uh, gonna, Listen, Drop it. Now let's talk more in detail about it. It's okay. <laughs> well, so so Connor picked this in the light week saying, hey, it's a new creative team. I'll give it a shot, right? Well, Dan Nascenti, the, the, uh, speaking of Daredevil, the, you know, the classic Daredevil writer. Uh, yeah. And I, I, so I, I didn't <laughs> buy it, but I read it in the store. And after that first page, I just laughed. I was like, what the hell is this? It, 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 it was the most exhausting I- – book i've read and not in a good way every <laughs> the art was like, so busy and we, we wouldn't get to the fact that he did look like a 12 year old boy whose head on the body of a man but the story the concept, was the concept is miserable the, the story was such a such a breakneck pace that and and again not in a good way that there was no time to to rest or breathe they just move from one scene to another i gotta go i gotta go here i gotta go do this i gotta, I gotta do that and then and then by the time it was over you're just like between your eyes being tired from the art and this the story never stopping it it was oh it was really it was bad in a different way than the first issue was bad <laughs> which is which, which, which honestly i didn't think was possible <laughs> oh man yeah i couldn't i mean like i had problems with the initial first one like they they they've ruined this character that i and i go back to what i said when green arrow number 1 came out when jt cruel wrote it um with that first issue and i said i feel bad for green arrow fans well, because if they clearly. if they did this stuff to, to my character, you sound like you sound like poor Logan. He said, "I mean, seriously, can someone check on him?" But listen, <laughs> listen, Logan. There's hope because you know it might be like this for a little while, but eventually it'll change. It might not change back. It might be something else. It might take a while, but it'll change. Like because yeah. obviously this isn't gonna work. You know, like it's not. 
it's not the thing that that it's i don't i don't hear anybody out there like this is a great book and sales going through the roof they're gonna have to make a change eventually but i think across this relaunch you're seeing a lot of different things happen well it's interesting that you say that and because we got another caller who has a question related to that hey this is andrew from the jersey shore and i was just wondering why do you guys think nathan edmondson got got off of grifter and got replaced by rob Liefeld? To me, he's good in his own right, and I thought he was going to make Grifter great, but it hasn't been amazing, not that I don't like the comic. I'm still buying it every Wednesday. But it seems like Nathan has this affinity for indie comics, like he has the activity launching with Image and you know, Who is Jake Ellis and its sequel. And I just want to know, if, like, Nate, what do you guys think? Did you think push came, came to shove between him and DC or what? Or could he not have, or was he not capable to keep up with the monthly book? So, Andrew, as you know, to answer your question, we don't know why Nathan Edmondson got off that book. Just like we don't know why they brought, brought Anna Senti on the Green Green Arrow. There's oftentimes we get we get a lot of transparency into when people leave books, and you get people writing blog posts and tweeting about it and stuff like that. But which sometimes is one side of the story it should be, which is one side of the story. Yeah, but a lot of times we never hear what the other side of it is, and it could just be that you know for whatever reason maybe Edmondson's schedule is too big, or maybe he couldn't handle the monthly thing, or maybe DC editorial didn't like what he. Was was doing um and that's the and that's the real point to, jo- to the point josh was making earlier is that they're going to make changes whenever they feel like it <laughs> and, and that sometimes it's going to be it's going to it could make a book better it can make a book worse it can make a bi- book uh, worse in a different direction um and there's always that hope that a change will bring about and this is like green arrow like in a year or two from now green arrow is primed to be one of those like are you reading green arrow because it's going to become one of those, you know, a book that yeah. nobody's reading because it's so bad. They're going to they're going to take a lark on somebody new, maybe or who knows, and then it's going to be one of those things where, wow, look what's going on over here. So it's this that ebb too and flow. shall pass. Yeah, exactly. It, yeah. it will, and it has to. Um, Hopefully, not into something else equally horrible, which is what happens. Has happened it, the first but it time. might, you know. But it, then it comes up completely on, you know, Winnick and Chang on Green Green Arrow Black Canary was was out of the blue, and it was great for yeah. a little while. And and then it wasn't, and then you know it'll come back around. You know the the, the characters are malleable. There's no there's not a single one of us here who hasn't really liked a character or a book and had it you know ripped out from under them like a rug. Yeah. You know it's uh you know whether it's the Orca Lady in Batman, remember that? Nope. Uh, uh, yeah, the Larry yeah. Hama written Orca Lady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. Or, that, was, that was the one arc. But the thing is, yeah, or Ron for 15 years with the X Men. I mean, it <laughs> yeah. happened. Chuck Austin. I mean, like yes. it ha- we've all been through this. Uh, you know, it, you know. I would say you're a little better off following creators and characters. It doesn't happen quite so much, but it's just tough when you have an. Emo- I mean, as someone who has an emotional connection to characters, it's hard to walk away. It is hard. The, the Mark Wade Flash twins. I mean. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah, it's it's tragic. So, well, but but that said, uh, that said, I would advise you to run away from Green Arrow. <laughs> yeah, stop buying. And really, it. that's that's the only way you're gonna get your voice heard is to stop buying it. Yes. Yeah. Otherwise, sure. if you if you keep buying it and hating it and and it's sound, sounding like that every Wednesday, then they they don't care. They have no incentive to stop. So if everyone who doesn't like it stops buying it, they'll have to change the way it's done. Buying yeah. it and complaining about it online. Does not work. No. So, all right. So, if you have any other questions, you can call us on our voicemail line at 188 Fanboys. It's 188 326 2697. If this podcast wasn't enough for you um, on Monday. Uh, did, you, did you just slap the table in excitement? I, I clapped. 
Uh, <laughs> they just fell. Uh, <laughs> you can you can tune into iFanboy Don't Miss, which is a short podcast that comes out every Monday on iFanboy.com, and it's available on iTunes. It talks to a creator about a book that you absolutely need to check out when you head to the comic book store. And this week, uh, Paul is talking to our uh, our good friend Paul Carnell. It's a, it's a it's a party of Pauls. Fantastic. And, uh, <laughs> it's Paul the party animal Cornell um, talk, talking about his new Vertigo series Saucer Country uh, which launches this week with artist Ryan Kelly um, that's definitely one I'm looking forward to it's great to see Paul Cornell do some good sci- like Vertigo sci-fi I'm down I, I hold, so. it, hold it right here yeah. I haven't read it yet but uh, looking forward to it uh, yes. you can also check out the Make Comics podcast that I do with Andy Schmidt from Comics Experience uh, where we try to if not answer, then at least explore some of the issues that you may want to be thinking about uh, as you as you go to make comics, whether from from whatever standpoint that is, or you just want to uh, appreciate the the art form and how stuff gets done a little more. Um, but uh, they're they're really fun shows to do. And if you saw John Carter this weekend, or you plan on seeing it, you want to hear people talk about it, you can come listen to the special edition podcast on John Carter, which will be behind the show on the feed or on ifanboy.com or anywhere we have the show, you can find it. Uh, chatting about the latest big uh, summer movie. This book looks great, by the way. This Wait, is, summer this, movie? Is this, is it? No, Spring. it's March. It's, it's March. It feels like it should be a summer it's movie. It's literally Lousy. still still winter. Lousy smart weather. <laughs> Just way back. Um, you can go to uh, you can go to ifanboy.com for all of that stuff. Uh, you can read the pick of the week pot, pot, uh, review that I wrote, uh, the book of the month, eventually, and. So- I really wasn't even trying to. I was just trying to fill in space, and then it came off as guilting. But whatever works. Uh, there's all sorts of discussion going on about the things that are going on in comic books that matter to us and you, or both, by definition. Uh, and you can go to ifanboy.com slash about, and you can find out about us and where to reach us online and in other capacities, social networking, stuff like that. You can also follow us uh, at twitter.com slash ifanboy or facebook.com slash ifanboy uh, for, for more. And you can email us at contact at ifanboy.com. You can call our voicemail line 888-FANBOYS-326-2697 with any comments, questions, concerns. Get on the show. Make it good and fun. And tell us where you are from and who you are. Yes. In either order. It's fine. And if you like what we do, go to iTunes and write a review of this podcast. Helps people discover new podcasts as well as write reviews for iFanboy Don't Miss. And helps spread the word. Tell your comic book store. Tell your friends. Tell your mom. Tell your cousin. Tell your third grade teacher about iFanboy. Helps spread the word. We really appreciate it. Uh, You guys are our biggest help in getting the word out. So thank you. Cool. I don't even know how to get a hold of Mrs. Searles. I'm so glad that I didn't pay for Green Arrow, by the way. <laughs> Normally, I don't want to be the guy who reads this co- the, the book in the comic store, but I waited till the end of the day, and then I snuck over in the corner and I read it because I knew that, Connor, you were going to read it, and we are going to talk about it. Oh, my God. <sighs> it's just, just Josh, if you see it in the store, just pee, just you know, peer mm-hmm. into it and check out the art. Oh, I thought you were going to say just pee on it. I said, whoa, whoa. <laughs> I like those guys. I can't do that to their merchandise. Did you Have you been reading it all along? No, no, no. No, I, no, I, I bailed out to the first okay, issue. Yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. All right. So until next week, I'm Ron. I'm Connor. I'm Josh, and do not drive behind a rebar truck. Whoa. <laughs> I think he just peed. <laughs> <laughs>